Well, hello once again. Uh, this is Dr. Robert Marks, the retired professor of surgery from the University of Miami uh, School of Medicine. Uh, this is the third in a series of 20 um, podcasts that are dealing with controversies in our world. Uh, we are still within the first four that are medical-related controversies, but have an applicability just about everyone uh, uh, in our country. Uh, the title for this one I have entitled as Smokeless Tobacco and Oral Cancer. Uh, certainly a lot of things that uh, can be thought about related to this, but I'll start with my own experience. As a dental student back in the 1960s, I'm that old, I hate to admit, uh, the causation of oral cancer included smokeless tobacco as well as smoking tobacco in an accepted axiom. The evidence was explained to us as dental students that's related to the Appalachian women who would use snuff between their cheek and gum and had a higher incidence of um, uh, oral cancer, particularly Verruca's carcinoma. Uh, as naive dental students at that time, we pretty much accepted it without any pushback, without asking such important questions as whether these same women also smoked tobacco and uh, also was there a similar incidence in the heavy usage people such as in Scandinavia and the cowboys of our Western states. Actually, it turned out there was not. And they had used smoke with tobacco of all different types at a greater frequency than our Appalachian women did. So it was kind of beat into our heads and that, that even extended into baseball players. Now, speaking of that, I heard my own boyhood hero, Nelson Fox, the second baseman, number two of the Chicago White Sox back in the 50s and 60s, uh, died of oral cancer. He was well noted to have a plug of chewing tobacco in his left cheek uh, and it was his trademark literally. Um, so it was, initially thought that, well, uh, since he had such a, a common use of chewing tobacco in his left cheek, that that was the cause of his cancer. However, it turned out that he actually smoked two packs of cigarettes per day. And then the cancer that developed was not in the same location he put the chewing tobacco in. So it put some doubt as, as a causative agent on that. Um, then similarly, the San Diego Padres, uh, Tony Gwynn, Hall of Fame baseball player called Mr. Padre. He reportedly died of oral cancer as well. I remember this one very well because it's a little bit more recent. He and the media attributed to his use of chewing tobacco. He actually felt that it was due to his use of chewing tobacco uh, when he was in the minor leagues. Uh, and that was common for many of the baseball players uh, in minor leagues and major leagues at that time. Uh, that causation was so thoroughly accepted that the American Dental Association used it to gain recognition for dentists and to lobby for more research funds to uh, prove the link between oral cancer and chewing tobacco. In fact, that they knew the link, they just wanted to have some way to prove it. So it was one of these begging the questions type of researches. I read too many of them uh, that basically were not scientifically valid. Uh, but in any event, sadly, the cancer that killed um, uh, poor uh, Tony Gwynn, uh, turned out to be a parotid cancer of salivary gland origin, which we know that salivary gland tumors are totally unrelated to um, smoking tobacco, chewing tobacco, or any known carcinogen. So that was a tad of an embarrassment. Okay, now these examples, they're just two of many. I have been an oral and maxillofacial surgery for 40 plus years. I have recorded, seen 3,000, 208 
oral squamous cell carcinoma. So I'm familiar with this disease in a diagnosis and a treatment sense. None of those 3,208 could I definitely point to smokeless tobacco of any kind. You would think there'd be at least one or two, but there weren't. I've also treated many people with smokeless tobacco uh, history and usage. Uh, I've also biopsied many of them. Their microscopic pathology is different. Uh, you don't see cancer. You don't see precancerous changes. Uh, what you do see is hyperkeratosis, pale cells, and occasionally inflammation. But you don't see aberrant mitotic figures. You don't see a disruption of the maturity. You don't see a change in a nuclear cytoplasmic ratio. So it's not the strong carcinogen that is often made out to be for political correctness. The confusion, I think, emanates from more than just the misassumptions of the past and the media, all too ready to print a sensational story, whether it's verified or not. It also arises from the misunderstanding of the betel nut slake line preparation used in India, Southeast Asia, and Sri Lanka. Now, that is uh, a habit that uh, that culture has. Uh, it, the product that they put together is called a pan, P-A-N-N. And it consists of areca nut, katechu, which is a type of um, powdered ingredient, slaked lime. Now that slaked lime, which is like a turpentine, it's not the lime that you make key lime pie out of. Uh, and it has some tobacco in it. And they put it into a leaf called a beetle leaf. Now, it's not the beetle that we think of, and it's spelled differently. It's B-E-T-E-L. We pronounce it beetle. I think some people pronounce it betel. So it's B-E-T-E-L. Okay. In that culture, it's this oral gratification similar to our oral gratification we get from chewing gum. Now, again, note to slake lime is probably the main carcinogen in it because what it does is it oxidizes the other ingredients and it's a turpentine-like derivative. Uh, this concoction causes 50% of all the oral cancers in India. So whereas in the United States, oral cancers are way down on the totem pole compared to lung cancer, compared to kidney cancer, compared to, to breast cancer in particular and prostate cancer. So uh, you can see that this is a major healthcare problem in those cultures. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is that this product should not be used as an extrapolation or a proof that smokeless tobacco causes cancer in the United States. It's a completely different product and one should not extrapolate the experience in India, Sri Lanka and Southeast Asia to what is used commonly in the United States and Scandinavia. Now the biochemical fact is interesting. The biochemical fact is that the tars in tobacco need to be oxidized to even become uh, carcinogenic. That's why you can put a nicotine patch on you and it's not gonna cause cancer on the nicotine patch skin. Okay, the only way it oxidizes in our culture of the United States and other Western cultures mainly is by burning it. Uh, the reason cigarettes cause more oral cancer than do cigars and pipes is that the tobacco and cigarettes is shredded and it's shredded pretty finely so that when it is burned, it burns hotter, it burns more thoroughly and it oxidizes the carcinogens, which are the tars, into the tobacco product into full, what's called complete car uh, carcinogens. Now, in my early days, I did a fair amount of cancer research 
on hamsters using dimethylbenzanthracine, big long name, but it's a tar-like product that's contained in, in tobaccos. DMBA, as it was called, dimethylbenzanthracine, was a complete carcinogen. Now, the first connection we had that anthracines even were carcinogenic was from uh, the 1880s in Europe, where the chimney cleaners in Europe developed a high incidence of skin, abdominal, and scrotal carcinoma. When they cleaned out the chimneys, they got the soot and the burnt dust, which was created by the fireplace fires onto their skin and cause a high incidence of abdominal and scrotal cancers. Now, the DMBA product that I used was a liquid and we would paint it on the cheeks of hamsters. And the hamsters, it irritated their cheeks quite a bit. And they would use their paws to try to like spit it out and, and try to move it from their hair around their, uh, their mouth. Uh, it was quite interesting. The DMBA was such a potent, complete carcinogen that these hamsters would develop an oral squamous cell carcinoma visible to the naked eye within three to sometimes only six weeks. The DMBA was so potent that the hamsters, and, and most of them did this, who batted away this by their paws and got some on their paws actually also developed cancer of the paws on their front, uh, front feet, front paws. So that, that was concerning. Uh, we always had to wear gloves and be very protective not to spill any of this because indeed was a potent carcinogen. But the fact of the matter is it's again, a topical complete carcinogen by its chemical structure. Smoke with tobacco doesn't have that oxygenation in it unless you would smoke it. So to kind of end this, uh, what I have said does not, it should not be construed to promote the use of smoke with tobacco. I can tell you it's still a disgusting habit. Uh, it's one that erodes your gums. I've seen that too many times. It stains your teeth and makes your breath smell awful. So there's no real reason to use it. But as honest scientists, we have to say there's no evidence that it is a carcinogen and you can use it without a big fear of developing oral cancer. With that, I'll leave you with that important conclusion. Um, there's other people who would push back on that, but those who've really seen a lot of cancers and those who have seen, uh, done research on it, like Robert Greer out of the University of Colorado, uh, we all uh, come to the conclusion that smoke with tobacco is not a serious cancer threat to our population. There are other cancer threats that we should focus our attention on more. With that, I'll conclude for this, the third of the uh, first four series of uh, podcasts before we get onto the podcasts and controversy in our world uh, for more of the general public. Goodbye for now. I'll see you next time.